Welcome back to our podcast, Always Balanced and Connected. Joanne Moffat here. In case you missed our January episode, let me tell you about this podcast. I'm here sharing the words of my dear friend, Maggie Davis Jelly, who wrote the incredible, heartfelt, inspirational book, Always Balanced and Connected. Maggie wrote this book to provide inspiration to others. As she shared in her introduction, Dreams, Goals, and Affirmations, the idea for this book is simple. She says, I wanted something that could be made available to people that incorporates the reason that a connection of oneness is vital to health and wellness. Maggie also said that she practices affirmations from a multitude of sources in her daily life. Poems, lyrics, and books all send a message for which she's been waiting. Maggie's unable to read this herself. I am her voice, and I'm honored to do this for her. You see, Maggie has been diagnosed with progressive supranuclear palsy and is unable to speak with intonation, and she's limited by her now soft volume. She's still a profound thinker and an ultimate emotional being. She continues to experience full range of feeling and intellect, but is limited by the constraints of her now ever-present disability. So to honor my dear friend, I am doing this monthly podcast of her beloved book, Always Balanced and Connected. Today we will read four daily reflections selected from four weeks of the month of February. If you were to purchase her book, you would see that the book has daily reflections. February is also Black History Month, and because of that, I asked my dear friend, Wayne Bartow, to be my guest. After each reading, we will discuss our thoughts. There we go. So, Wayne, yes, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, it's interesting that um, we're, we're talking in, in terms of the connection to the mental health um, arena and... Um, Back in 1971, I, um, I became employed by the county of Rockland in the, uh, what was then called the, the social rehabilitation arena. And I was a, um, elected as a, a paraprofessional craftsperson. I had a background in art and, and crafts back in my private days. And so I, uh, I entered into the, uh, County of Rockland's um, social rehabilitation orientation, which was frankly a decentralization of um, um, mental health patients from the psychiatric hospital, a major um, facility in Rockland County, huge, huge, I think some somewhere nine to 10,000 patients that were now suddenly going to be um, released from the hospital and integrated into the community. And my role was as a counselor in uh, uh, providing, um, you know, crafts, um, 
um, involvement, etc. Um, as a paraprofessional working side by side with uh, psychiatric doctors, psychiatric nurses, and as well as um, <clears throat> other uh, psychiatric counselors, etc. Um, um, I guess at the time, while this is a civil service job, I wasn't really prepared to stay in the civil service arena because I felt that they really were not a, um, doing a, a good enough job in my estimation. So about 15 years, 15 and a half years later, I transferred to a private agency which was contracted to the county to provide similar services and embarked on um, also counseling what was then called uh, Department of, of uh, Mental Retardation, which I, uh, I stayed in that, uh, that group for, <laughs> I think, 35 years. <laughs> and concomitantly, I was also elected to be the Equity Cultural Competence uh, chairperson of that, that committee. And I stayed at that position for many, many years. As a matter of fact, when I retired 10 years ago, I, um, I retired from that position. So that gives you a little sense of what I've been doing for the last 40 years, actually 44 years. Mm. Well, thanks. Thanks for sharing that, Wayne. You know, it's, it's funny because... Um, I forget about that early part of your career and before, um, you know, you went to social rehab and what you were doing, you know, as a, a craftsperson and woodworking and all that. And I actually met you, if you remember, yes. in, in 1974, yeah. I, um, I, I was an intern, right, at social rehab and uh, I forgot. I forgot. <laughs> and so I'm just like filled with emotion right now. But anyway, um, yeah, that was in Rockland County, New York. And it was, wow, what a great start to, to career for me. But anyway, so thank you for, for, for sharing that, for being here today. And also I want to give a shout out to my son, Nick, who is sitting here helping to produce this. This takes a lot of work. Okay, so um, back to our book. Um, our first reading is from the entry Maggie wrote for February 12th. And it is, today I will partner with someone who is like-minded. Okay, we can do so much together. Together we are strong. When we join our hearts, prayers, and intentions with the heart, prayers, and intentions of someone else, almost anything is possible. How many times have you asked someone to get something down from a shelf that you could not reach, and he or she was happy to help? Such is life. Why then is it that many find it so difficult to ask for help when faced with life-altering situations? Is it perhaps due to fear or shame? In times of desperation, help is the only prayer we need. Help me to find the way. Help me with my struggles. Help me to provide a life for my family and myself. 
Are you proud or embarrassed? Are we a society of people who would rather be without than to admit we need help? When we ask for help from loved ones or strangers, we are, in essence, helping them in their journey to be better people. When we seek help, we in turn can help others. You begin to realize the importance of giving of your time and talents to others. Helping brings joy and purpose not only to the receiver, but also to the provider. Is there anything I can do to help? That's all it takes. <sighs> well, Wayne, usually I, I would ask you right away what you think, but I, I just have to interject something here. The line that stands out for me in this entry is, when we ask for help from loved ones or strangers... We are, in essence, helping them in their journey to be better people. So um, I remember, I remember you taking our son Nick, who was then about 12 years old, to a talk you were giving at Rockland Community College on the Amistad. Um, that day, I was asking you for help with Nick because I was there visiting a friend who was in a nursing home, and she was going through a lot of stuff. And uh, I was staying with you and Mag, and Nick was there, and, and so you took him. Um, and I was so grateful, because I needed that day. Anyway, um, Nick, in return, received an education from you far beyond that which I expected. So that, that was just a, a good good memory I had um, connecting to that. Can you, Wayne, reflect on how you've worked to help people in their journey to understand Black history and in so doing become better people? It's a, um, it's a very interesting question. And, um, you know, without getting terribly elaborate, um, having been in the mental health profession, it was my role all of my uh, career in the helping profession. And periodically I would ask my uh, co-workers and comrades, friends, do you recall specifically some of the help that you provided to other people and how did they respond? Has anybody come to you to say, you know, after a while, I realized how much you helped me. And I ask this question often. I still do it today. I wanted to know, frankly, how your interconnection with these people, interaction with these people, actually had a formal help. How did they understand and how did you understand how you helped them? So um, as I connect that thought to the overall, you know, my life in general. As a young man, I felt that I was not um, able to understand my connection to my people and felt that it was an absolute necessity. And um, back in 1971, I had a child and after having this child, I wanted him to have a greater understanding of his connection 
where did he come from? Why was he here? And what was his purpose of being here, et cetera? So I spent the rest of my life, frankly, uh, pursuing that understanding. Who am I? How am I connected? And what effect do I have on helping other people? And I wanted to actually understand that. How does my presence in your life help you? And how did I help you? And please explain to me. I don't know if I've gone off off the uh, the course here, but essentially that's my understanding of one's influence on other people in terms of help. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I, I you didn't go off the mark. I think that I think that that checking for understanding and um, you know. Uh, kind of, uh, I think you honor and respect in your dialogues with people. And I think that um, that question comes through loud and clear, but it's done in a way that people aren't intimidated or um, uh, afraid to, to connect. Um, And I, I I just think that's a really good quality of yours. Um, you know, you have a vast, wide array of people in, in your life and wanting to connect and make meaning of your own life is something that I think you bring to everybody. Yeah, and, and on some level, it's, um, I think sometimes a hit, hit or miss. For instance, I have a lot of what I may um, incidentally consider people as friends when I realize that I'm a better friend to them than they are to me. And that is, it, it, it comes by, a, <clears throat> I have a depth of understanding that I feel that other people I interact with simply don't possess. And actually over some years, some folks have said to me when I ask that question, they say, well, we're really not that deep. <laughs> Meaning, they, they have no understanding what the hell I'm talking about. Um, and a lot of people that I interact with, don't forget I'm in this, in this boat club, and I interact with a lot of people that ordinarily would not be my friends, except that we have similar interests. Yeah. And I interact with them a lot of time, and yet I know that they really are not my friends. They are simply that we have uh, uh, boats and boating in common, and that's the meeting ground. But in terms of politics, in terms of uh, spiritual and every other um, um, idea, it's simply we do not simply connect. As a matter of fact, we um, I tend to avoid certain conversations, and I don't get into you know deep discussions. Right. Right. Because we really are not that, you know, spiritually connected. Uh, I, I find that a shame, frankly, um, to have spent that kind of time with somebody that you really feel that uh, they don't share the same uh, feelings with you. But it's not vice versa, you know. Yeah. Um, I'm very saddened by that, and I often speak to Mag about it. Um, like, um, you know, I'm um, deeply committed to anti-racism, for instance, and there are people that I've spent 50 years with and I can't broach the subject of race 
and racial uh, disparities and racial equity, et cetera, the police brutality. Uh, some of these people are former police or retired police themselves. We do not at all connect right. in terms of that subject. And, right. and I'm saddened by that. As a matter of fact, in the community that I spent a great deal of time, I'm only one of two black people in this whole organization. And that's been that way for 50 years. <laughs> you mean the boat club organization, right? Yeah. 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 Well, I think it is sad, but you know, you just do what you can do. And that's, that's, that's the limitation, right? Um, but I think uh, just your presence is, is, um, is a, a, a huge thing. Just your presence is huge. And you don't know, you don't know if you've impacted them. You know, you don't know. They're not going to walk around saying, oh, you impacted me. You, you know, they're not going to say that. But I think that you have impacted people in ways that you don't know. The second affirmation I chose um, is from February 20th, and it's today I will be instrumental in helping others to achieve their goals. And the entry goes like this. A good leader empowers others. A good leader is available, consistent, and fair. If a leader wants others to follow, then he or she must be aware of the needs and wants of the people with whom that leader's working. Have you had a boss who is aggressive and authoritarian? Or have you had a leader who is passive and permissive? This goes for parents and other relationships as well. The key to any working relationship is assertiveness. That is, getting your needs and wants met without hurting anyone else. Great leaders are those who empower others. What makes a good leader in your book? Are you that person? So, Wayne, can you talk about how you've empowered others to be good or great leaders? Uh, aside from my background in mental health, uh, I'm also a community activist and um, involved in the organization, which is... Um, um, designed around the idea that mass incarceration in this country is off the chart. Mm. And if there are 2 million people in the prison industrial system, there is at least another million people that are connected, family members, children, etc., who are also involved. So you would say that we're, we're talking about Probably 10% of the total population of the United States are, are involved in the uh, prison industrial system in some form or fashion. That is parolees, family members, etc. Um, people locked up in jail who can't pay rent and the wives who sometimes are left with, with the children and having to give the children over to the grandparents so that they can continue to uh, earn wages, etc., so I, I talked to a rather um, large group of community members around these ideas. 
And I find that listening to people involved in this um, um, area is sometimes very profound. Where you may think that as a community activist or a leader, that you're you're going to do all the talking, you're going to do all the designing, you're going to talk about program design, et cetera, et cetera, without considering the import of listening to what they have to say and 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 looking at them as leaders in their own life and, and not subordinate to you, et cetera. And what comes out of this understanding of listening and listening well is that this leadership quality comes through because you have simply allowed them to design their own um, you know, response to um, their own issues. They know their issues better than you do. So mm -hmm. we have seen over time, and one of these groups of which I initially designed myself, which is still ongoing, and I'd say that's more than 20 years, um, the, uh, the, co the, uh, um, the Coalition for Undoing Racism, mm. Prison Industrial System, etc. I, I, I just multiple, multiple community leaders and scholars, etc. And a lot of incarcerated people, formerly incarcerated people, and they're doing wonderful, wonderful work. Um, and after 20 years and sitting back, you actually watch the fruits of your labor right before your eyes. They're doing work that you no longer even have to talk about. You are simply listening to how effective they have been over the course of 20 years. So I think that that's evidence. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's got to feel really um, not just heartfelt, but just a feeling of um, like proud kind of seeing you planted these seeds and seeing this, this take off and grow. Um, that's yeah, got yeah. a tremendous feeling for you. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. And um, these these this particular group meets on on uh, the first Monday of every month and last Monday, um, with the recognition of African American Black History Month, uh, the group was by um, I guess my former partner. He announced to the entire group that Wayne was very instrumental in starting this group twenty oh, years cool. ago. That was a wonderful, you know, yeah. recognition. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's wonderful. That That is a wonderful recognition and acknowledgement of you. But look how you helped this organization move and achieve goals beyond oh, beyond yeah. what you thought was oh, yeah. possible. That's yeah. so cool. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that story. Um, okay, I'm going to move to February 26th, and this one is, um, you never know what someone has been through. Today, I won't judge on looks. The reason people have pretty smiles, pretty eyes, kind hearts is that they allow themselves to cry the tears and feel the pain. Sometimes the prettiest smiles hide the deepest secrets. The prettiest eyes have cried more tears, and the kindest hearts have felt the most pain.
Forgiveness and acceptance are the best beauty secrets. Deal with your sorrow and then do what you have to do to move on. Those of us who do not keep our feelings in release the stress and anxiety that are toxic. If you want to feel beautiful and look amazing, try letting go of whatever it is that's bothering you. Love life and give love to others. Share your experiences, good or bad. Learn and grow into the beautiful person you are meant to be. Ah, well, in our society, Wayne, there's been tremendous discussion about the Black Lives Matter movement and judgment. Maggie uses the word sorrow. I emphasize this because there is so much sorrow for families who have lost their loved ones due to violence and oppression against Black people. Uh, What are your thoughts about how we can share our experiences and then do what we have to do to move on? (laughs) All right, so that one's a hard one to, to really reflect on. I know that's a lot. Just if you don't want to go with my direction, let's hear what you're just thinking about with that. Well, once once again, um, you know, I find it typical. I, I don't know if it's just me and my surrounds, but I find that people, for the most part, don't grieve. And I think there is a lot to be garnered by reading and reading Certainly what I see as a necessity is history, American history, black history. Um, And in the absence of that, if you're interacting with people who are not as well versed in, you know, historical understanding, um, it's very, very difficult. I find it's very, very difficult to have or find common ground when you take Black Lives Matter, for instance, just, just a nomenclature. I think it was a misnomer to use that because there was so much um, backlash because people misunderstood what, what, in essence, what it was referring to. So Black Lives Matter. And then the next thing you see, the police put up uh, uh, Blue Lives Matter. That, that's their reaction to Black Lives Matter, which is a total misunderstanding. It's not, it's not a, about whether or not all people matter. Of course all people matter. But that's not where we are. We're not at a place where we understand that all people matter. We need to understand what, what took place in this country in terms of the history to black people before you start summing up as if um, people are colorblind. That's, a, that's another, you know, area um, mis, mis misunderstood. If you have no idea who you are, where you come from, you certainly don't give a damn about who these people are and where they come from. So Mm -hmm. I I find it very difficult to respond to. Okay, uh, that's understandable. Um, And it's hard then to move on if um, you can't get their attention about what it is that you're trying to um, awaken in them, so to speak. And I think you're right. I think that reading is a key thing. And I think that 
people react in the lower parts of their brain sometimes, you know, um, like they get into um, a fight. Like, let's say that again. Debate. They yeah, want to the debate. Debate. yeah, they do. They're, they're not yeah. really equipped. They're not equipped to, to debate. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like you, you can't manufacture your own facts. If I'm talking to you about facts, you can't, you know, counter with some other kind of facts or some opinion that you think is factual. That's where we are in this country right now today, vis-a-vis yeah. -vis Fox News. Yeah. So I agree with you. Um, you know, for me, you know, like I've lived a life of privilege in so many ways, um, just by the color of my skin. But um, for me, you know, what one of the things that I feel I can do is uh, start education with my own kids, my own family. Um, like at Christmas time this year, I gave, I think it was Nick, um, the 1619 book. Yeah. Um, I feel like that, uh, having a book like that, that to read, to reflect on essays is, um, you can't rewrite your history books, but you can rewrite, um, your own family books and you can start to equate. This is, um, this is real important history. This is valid. This is what you have to be educating your children about because they're not going to get it other places. Um, and, you know, and then of course, dialoguing. So for me, you know, in order to move on, those experiences have to live on. You have to share those experiences. And, you know, when you pass, right, like yeah. when we, when our generation passes, it's up to that next generation. So we've got to do stuff so that we can, you know, share these things and, um, you know, we can move on. So there isn't judgment on looks and on the surface that it goes to a deeper level. Our final um, entry that I'm going to do is actually is if it was a leap year and it's February 29th. Um, I really liked this one. It is today I will take a leap of faith. So if you were born on February 29th, you may be keenly aware that this is an intercalary day. I-N-T-E-R-C-A-L-A-R-Y. That comes only once every four years. Intercalary, for those of you who don't know, I certainly didn't, is a day inserted in the calendar to harmonize it with the solar year. The reason for the 366 days every four years is to maintain synchronicity with the astronomical or seasonal year synchronicity and harmony combined. They say this day brings forth those chosen few. Whether today is your birthday or not, take a chance today. Take a leap of faith. A leap of faith refers to believing in something, someone, or even yourself without knowing for certain what is going to happen next. Creative and passionate endeavors require us to start fresh with unbridled abandon. Today, be open to the possibilities of what lies ahead. 
assess the risks, and then one step at a time, let your spirit soar. Well, I really like the line, be open to the possibilities of what lies ahead. That, that resonated with me. Um, do you have any thoughts, Wayne? Well, I don't want to get too terribly morbid, but I am confronting two biopsies uh. in March. And one is the pancreas and one is the thyroid. And uh, um, to tell you the truth, uh, I hope it's not cancer, but what, what am I going to do? Um, so there you are. You're talking about taking a leap of faith? I hope they're benign. But I don't know anybody that's had that with pancreatitis and anything um, survived it. So. Well, I didn't know this, um, hearing this for the first time. So um, that's very, very huge. And I think that's part of what, um, you know, we all have things like this. Like many people that are listening to this have things like this. This is kind of like, you know, what we have to take a leap of faith that um, that there are going to be some possibilities even amidst um a diagnosis that we may not want to receive. And I pray so much that you, that these are benign for sure for you. Um, you've, they've got to be, that's, that's just my, my prayer is that they've got to be benign. But um, regardless, I think of Maggie with this too, that, um, you know, her days, uh, her days are certainly different than they used to be. And uh, at the same time, I'm doing this podcast and she lives through the, the, these words and, and this podcast. So that's a possibility that I don't think she would have ever have, have dreamt of, you know, when she wrote this book back in 2015. So um, I think being open to that and having a growth mindset is really, really key. And for you, Wayne, like you were one that really taught me about growth mindset before that was even a buzzword, you know, back so many years ago. Uh, probably, um, what are we talking here in the early 90s, I think, is when you really started talking a lot about black history to me and, um, you know, becoming more um, not only educated, but uh, having more empathy for for concepts that I hadn't really gone into and allowed myself to go into. So um, you made me feel vulnerable and uneasy and and I grew. And there were possibilities um, that that just kind of woke up for me with all of that. So for that, I will thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Um, so, um, for me, that's real. So, you know, it's hard to, um, you know, we were planning to drive south to visit a good friend, and Mag wants to go to Ireland. And while I, you know, respond in the affirmative, um, I'm still, you know, con mm -hmm. concerned about whether or not I'll even 
be in any condition to do any of those things. So yeah. that's my reality. Yeah, I get that. And, and you know, that's a, a realist that you are, but at the same time, you have goals and you're open to things that may lie ahead. And that's really a good thing to hold on to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So do you have any other thoughts before we end here today? Um, anything else that you wanted to share about this? Um about the the entries that I read or just about anything in general? No, but um, I'm glad we did it. And um, um, I hope that um, your listeners benefit in some way from, from our, you know, discussion. But uh, uh, I, I hope and so. also, you know, I see myself as a, a student as well as a teacher. So, Every day I'm learning something. And this is the first uh, of its kind that I've ever participated in. So um, there's still growth. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I I just want to say that from the bottom of my heart, I, I thank you um, for being here with me and um, sharing your, your thoughts and your heart with us today. Great. Thank you. Um, so next month, um, March, Maggie reminds us that it's National Nutrition Month. So we'll see what guest I bring along to help with that. Okay. And, um, and for the rest of you out there, I look forward um, to March and to sharing one entry from each week of that month from her book. Her book, Always Balanced and Connected, can be purchased on Amazon for $23.99. Till then, I'm reminding you of what Maggie says in her book. Blessings and grace to you on your journey. Always remember that you are valued and loved. And from me, let's just say, let's all try to stay balanced and connected. Okay, okay. Thank Great. you. All right. All right. Bye. Bye.